Hi, welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things you like. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And on this episode of the show, we are taking on, of course, you know we had to do it to him. <laughs> it only makes sense. The most topical thing we could possibly discuss. It's the first part of our two-part series <laughs> on the one, the only, Orenthal James Simpson. Yeah, we're talking about OJ. Talking about OJ on the podcast. We're not really talking folks. about OJ so much as the pieces of media that were crafted around his story. Right, exactly. This is not an example of an episode where one of us is a huge fan. <laughs> and we're going to show you all the highlights, all his greatest hits. Nope. Uh, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about two pieces of media. Yeah. One this episode, one next time mm-hmm. that centered around OJ Simpson. They both come out in the same summer, the summer of 2016. Feels uh, cast your minds back, God, folks. Cast your Obama's minds America up to Obama's America, <laughs> the the, uh, the 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 dying days of Obama's America. I know the things we're discussing next week. Well, the things we're discussing this week, we are discussing Ezra Edelman's five-part, seven and a half-hour documentary movie miniseries event, OJ Made in America. Mm-hmm. Next time we're talking about well, you can probably guess. American Crime Story. American Crime Story. The People vs. O.J. Simpson. The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Uh, but that's for next time. Next for time. now, we are talking about the piece of work by Ezra Edelman, O.J., Made in America. It, as I said, it came out summer 2016. It ran on ESPN. The first episode actually ran on ABC on a Sunday night, I believe, but the rest of it aired over the course of the next week or so on ESPN. I feel like I vaguely recall that, yeah. It is, again, seven and a half hours long. Is that right? It's five episodes that are all over an hour, so yes. that tracks. Yeah, I think they're I think they're all an hour and a, yeah. they're all ninety minutes. It was ten hours with the commercials. The yeah. amount without commercials, I'm a little bit fuzzy on, but it, it four hundred and sixty seven minutes. It, it begins. Uh, I mean, it basically begins at the dawn of time. <laughs> it is the most comprehensive possible study you could do on this topic, or maybe any topic. Yeah, it it, it covers not only O.J. Simpson's entire life, but the cultural context that happened around him, both you know. The one that set the stage for him and the one that happened because of him and the things he did and how that impacted the world and how the world impacted him. And it addresses tons of topics, race, fame, crime, policing, the 90s, cable television, religion. Um, uh, religion? R- rent-a-car. Commercials. <laughs> Capitalism. Capitalism. Uh, don't worry, folks. We'll get there. We'll get there. Still left his podcast. Sit, sit back and relax. We'll get, we'll get you there. So, Kelsey, do you give us a context for your experience of this? Yes. You have just watched this. I have watched this recently, yes, like I have not two watched, weeks ago. I have not watched the entire thing since it aired on television. Mm-hmm. So it's been a few years. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually interesting because, like, this is something that you recommended to me, technically. <laughs> um... <laughs> But I kind of think it's the kind of thing that I would recommend to you. Yeah, it's an interesting. Um, so it's, it's a weird one like that. Yeah. Uh, but I was sick recently, and I needed something that I had to like pay attention to, but wouldn't, uh, but would like keep my attention, which for some reason is always a documentary mm-hmm. in my in my particular uh, thing. So I was lying in bed on a sick day, and I was like, I'm gonna watch the OJ doc. <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, because you're a fan of sports documentaries. Yes, I love. I really, really like sports documentaries. I like. I mean, I'm like a sports fan in general, and I think there's the reason that people like sports is because there's so many like 
incredibly human but also sort of uh, extreme stories woven throughout the sports world. That's why people get, you know, fanatical about it and get attached to it and stuff. And I think um, the sort of genre that is sports documentaries allow you to go into those like sort of narratives that get woven, you know, over a longer period of time like sort of condense them and like really look at them and like the things that people are talking about in sports documentaries I think is why people love sports but like in a like a very concentrated dense shot <laughs> uncut yeah not stepped on because I'm not a big sports watcher yeah I'm to, to say that I don't ever watch them but I love sports documentaries because yeah. like you said it really it gives you the thing that I guess people normally get from sports just in a sort of a you know they get it maybe sort of Fed them very slowly. It's kind of like an intravenous thing. Yeah, just, you know, you're just getting a little bit of time. You're like you're out. like watching the narrative build, and yes. it's interesting. And but sometimes it's not. But like a lot <laughs> of times it is, and that's what like keeps you coming back to it. But with the documentary, that's like looking at that narrative. You're doing it like all. In, it's like it, I don't have the patience for that first thing. It's like binging. It's like binging the sports narrative. Oh, it's, like, it's like a greatest greatest <laughs> hits. It's a clip show of sports. <laughs> and this is certainly a sports documentary, uh, among other things. Among other things, yes. So to give it a little bit more context, this is a film by Ezra Edelman, as I've said. Mm-hmm. He is a man who, he got his first job right out of college working with the Olympics, going around interviewing athletes as part of research for, you know, the Olympics and sort of the narratives they're going to build into the, into that, the presentation mm-hmm. of that. It's a huge part of the Olympics, he, he then, the narrative. You, oh, yeah. So you, know, you can see where he really cut his teeth on that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. That's a good place to do it. Mm-hmm. Then, he, then he worked for HBO for a while for Real Sports, I believe. Yeah, he's You're, like he's basically made his living on like sports narrative. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> now, and now he, he works for the ESPN a lot. They do a lot of, you know, they, they, this is part of the, this is nominally part of the 30 for 30 series, though it sort of has transcended uh, basically all trappings of that, the presentation of that, because 30 for 30 is kind of it's a collection of films that's also sort of a tv series yeah i mean they're that. like they're all like one to two like they're all like about 45 minutes to an hour and a half yeah, and most like, of them i'm gonna say most of them do not screen in theaters no most of them do not win oscars no mm-hmm. or awards for journalism which the, this one did this there one are won. some really really good ones oh um, no doubt and i've seen yeah I'm, I'm particularly fond of the the one about the xfl it's not, <laughs> it's not a good one they're not gonna win any peabodies for that one but uh i love it interesting yeah. Um, I, what I thought was really interesting about uh, the production of this this film and talking about the 30 for 30 series, the sort of ESPN sort of floated the idea of like doing an OJ doc exploration like way back in 2007. Um, oh, too soon. <laughs> um, he wasn't and even in jail then, was he? I know. I don't think he'd gone to jail for what he was in jail for yet. I forget when that was, but... Um, that the sort of the talks around that eventually became the documentary that I recommended to you, the June 17th, 1994 documentary, which is like kind of a found footage documentary. Um, but one of the, the main events that that documentary talks about is the OJ Simpson uh, chase, chase in the Bronco, quotation the, marks. The Bronco chase. The Bronco. Yeah. More, more of a low an, speed chase. More of an escort mission than an actual chase. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then until eventually it was sort of became this very intensive exploration of this. Um, and I think it was offered to Ezra Edelman and he was kind of like, I don't know if there's anything else to say, but there was a lot to say clearly. I think I've, I've heard him say that he was 
most attracted to the idea of doing a five-hour movie more than doing a movie about OJ. <laughs> he's, you know, he's made his living doing these sports documentaries, which are all sort of, you know, very tightly formatted. Yeah. Sort of thing, you know. Well, especially so, if you're doing, like, actual Olympics coverage mm-hmm. where you're you're telling a story in, like, six minutes the, tops. The scope is very limited. Yeah. Um, so he was really excited by the idea of, like, you know, playing with a, you know, five-hour canvas, which ballooned to seven and a half hours. But <laughs> when people saw the finished result, they couldn't fault him for it. Yeah. And he didn't, he, he didn't cut anything out of the movie for time's sake. He cut some things out because they didn't fit. Um, they did, I think, 72 interviews. Yeah. And there's 66 interviews in the movie. Yeah. Um, there's no narration. There's no narrator. Yeah. So it's entirely done. And, it's, you know, what is it? It's like, I have the foot. Okay. There's 800 hours of footage that they used to cut this thing together, right? 600 hours of that were archival footage. So wow. the, the the research that he and, his, he and the rest of his team did for this thing, it took two years. It's in, incredible to think about. Mm-hmm. And it is a... Just gonna get this out right now. It's a massive achievement. It's a Huge. fantastic movie. Um, but possibly the best documentary I've ever seen. It is so long and it's so grueling and punishing at the points. But I, I could I could watch it again right now. I could watch. Yeah, you know, if it was twice the length, I, I would keep yeah. watching it. It's it's. I get nostalgic for the period of time when I had this to like look forward to. Yeah. When this was coming out, and I could like immerse myself in two hours of new OJ doc content. Yeah, I think that's like part of the reason I, I think this is a good topic for us because we're because like yes, it's an interesting story. It's OJ, whatever. But like really, I think both of you and I feel it's like this is just a really good movie. It's amazing. <laughs> like, it's an amazing documentary. What what he does with this, it's it's like a holistic approach to documentary filmmaking. He takes this one story, which is already so fascinating, and, and is already like. Out- has already been totally explored and like like he himself said he didn't think there was anything else there. Yeah, I think you would think it had been totally stripped of all meaning. Just mm-hmm. completely stripped mind for any sort of insider or like commentary you could possibly think of. But he zooms so far out and then gives you such a such a wide picture of not just OJ and his life, but of society as a whole, which is what we live in, just mm-hmm. as a reminder, we do live in a society. It's true. Some some might say it's the society. Some might say. Okay. <laughs> and, and and through that, and he uses OJ as this, this prism to, to address these th- all these things. And it's so well done, but it never loses sight of the actual events themselves and what the impact was of those things on the people around him and the world at large. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. It's, I, I think for, for me, what is so impressive is like, this is a seven and a half hour movie, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't ever feel punishing. It doesn't ever feel... No, the, sorry, the length is not punishing, and the content is occasionally yeah, uh, no, but pretty, it do- pretty grim. Yeah, it doesn't ever feel like it's too long. No. It doesn't ever feel like there's, he's, he has overstretched his, you know, what was there. No, it, it feels so holistic and, like, well done that, like, you just have no choice but to acknowledge how good it is. Because it begins... You know, it's sort of essentially like as it's tracking OJ through his life, it doubles mm-hmm. back to things like the Watts riots mm-hmm. in, in L.A., the shooting of Yulia Love. Mm-hmm. What? That's not it. Yulia Love? Yulia Love, yeah. excuse me. Uh, the Rodney King riots. Yeah. And it really, it really gives you, I mean, if you didn't already know it, the LAPD is, even, even for a police force, <laughs> incredibly racist. Yeah. Just an incredibly corrupt and, like, villainous group of people. Yeah. And Especially like from like the like the the period in which like OJ was coming up as a an athlete and an, and a celebrity, 
like they they still are i'm sure but <laughs> um, but like that that particular that like the from like post world war 2 to like the mid 90s yeah very as 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 put it uh, significant times the most significant times and oj chose the least significant way to navigate them he was he was consciously apolitical and it it, it paid off yeah. cuz it turns out if you are like if you are a talented and and beloved mm-hmm. and sort of you know charming and sort of you know very you know just a very like you know popular and cool black guy but you distance yourself from all sorts of activism or anything that might make white people uncomfortable oh they will they will take you in mm-hmm. they will they will they will they they love that i mean they me but the powers that be um it's it's i don't don't want to just like just summarize the thesis of the movie because i'm not going to do it as artfully as ezra does and honestly i could talk for seven and a half hours and not come even close to the insight and the grace that he navigates the story with yeah he i mean he and the rest of his team obviously i don't mean to credit all the work to him because i know he had a team of producers that were very very you know you know essential to the project Mm -hmm. but i don't remember any of their names (laughs) i apologize but it's very good. Yeah, I think like I'm, I'm, and the large there's a lot at play, but the large, the large lens at which we're looking through is race in America, mm-hmm. and sort of OJ's conscious distancing himself from the black community, and and any sort of activism, especially in the 60s and 70s in the civil rights movement, like um, when I the the part I found really interesting was. Uh, the sort of his reaction to the the boycotts of the Olympics of the black athletes um, where like a lot of people really like um, you know famous and and well-loved black athletes were taking part in this and he just chose not to like he very specifically chose to paint himself in a way that to, to, to put himself out there in a way that was a-racial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like, I mean, he they say it a couple of times in the movie, but he, like, when somebody asked him about something, and he's like, well, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Yeah. And like, it's, it's possibly, it's possibly an uh, Like, that's almost remark. the thesis of the movie. It, it's possibly, it's, it's the way he says it's sort of like, it's like a tossed-off thing you said to somebody at a party somewhere. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so sort of like a, obscure one-off thing that seems like it could have maybe not even happened yeah but it's one of those things where even if it isn't true and i have no reason to say it's not true i'm just saying yeah. like it's even if it weren't true yeah it's such a it's such a totemic and like powerful like example of what yeah. was going on with him mm-hmm. and it's it's so still loaded mm-hmm. statement too yeah. especially because then you know as you're going into the 90s as these you know as the awful history of policing and just general treatment of black people in, in LA mm-hmm. and country as a whole, obviously, but yeah. specifically in this one part of the, of the country, uh, it sort of, you know, built and built and built to this point and it, it intersected with his life in a way that he was, you know, I don't want to, you know, you know, get outside my lane here, Yeah. but, but it, he was sort of embraced, you know, as a, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's like, you know, he he was supported by the community for after he that he turned their his back on them for most of his life. Yeah, he became a symbol of something that he honestly never wanted anything to do with. Yeah, and he like he sort of became this 
the symbol of, of, you know, I don't know how to say this. What's the I'm also very conscious of staying in my lane. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk out of turn, but I think there are some, you know, pretty accepted truths about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the reaction to, you know, the case and how it was sort of split along racial lines. Yeah. And, you know, there's things that were discussed in the movie as well. That, yeah. You know, it's, I don't want to, you know, I don't think it's wrong for us to discuss those things. Yeah. But it's also tough because one of the things this movie does that I never really had is it gives you the context of what the, what that was like. Because I grew up, you know, you and I grew up, we're, you know, we're sort of late, middle, late millennials, I guess. Yeah. And so we grew up in the 90s. Yeah. But I was, you know, I was four when this whole thing went down. Yeah. I was five when the trial ended. So yeah. I wasn't super aware of it. But, you know, catching up on, you know, pop culture as I became a you know, preteen and teenager, watching the reruns of SNL that ran on uh, Comedy Central in the, in the mid-afternoons that were probably the backbone of my entire understanding of the world. <laughs> I knew that this was a thing. I mean, you know, there's, 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 there's a recurring character in Siphon that's just a long-running Johnny Cochran yeah. joke, essentially. Yeah. So I knew about the, I knew sort of the generalities of the trial and what happened. And the people were, you know, broadly speaking, white people were horrified that O.J. got off you know, with this thing that he pretty obviously did. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, there were a lot of people in the black community who were kind of, you know, not, I want to say pleased about it, but it felt like, you know, it was sort it of It felt a, like a victory when they hadn't had it, yeah, it was, a victory, it was, it was, you it was, know, a long overdue, you know, a long overdue victory when there hadn't been yeah. one in a while. It was a victory to the point where, like, you know, the, the history of, you know, obviously black men being, you know, killed and, you know, sort of abused and tried for things, crimes they did not do is so long that almost it could have been, you know, it, it, it's kind of irrelevant if OJ is guilty or not in that context. Right, right. And I think this, that's what the movie is saying. Yeah, this famous beloved guy who, you know, ended up in the situation of his own making. Yeah. But he sort of, you know, he, he in that moment, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to say that's something like I'm faulting anybody for it because I, you know, Unless get I it. can, I do get what what that would mean, and how it's sort of, you know, the fact that <laughs> the fact that it makes some people angry. It's kind of the point. Yeah. You know, the fact that white people are so like, oh, how could you let this guy off? He killed this, you know. Oh, he killed this white woman. How could he possibly, you know, go free after that? It's kind of that. It's kind of the point of it. And that's a, I mean, that's you know, it's hard, weird to look at now because that is the entire focus of our politics in 2019 is what can make the person I don't like angriest and. <laughs> How we built it up in our minds, and we sort of are sometimes putting that onto a version of people that doesn't exist. What was I saying? This movie it <laughs> gives you the context of O.J. Simpson as a person, as a public figure. It wasn't just he was some he wasn't just some guy who was like yeah. a C level celebrity that no one really cared about. Sort of got caught up in this yeah. this massive thing. He was a beloved figure in sports. Yeah, and I think like for me, people loved O.J. Learn it like watching this documentary. Like I have very vague memories of the OJ trial and verdict. Like I have a very specific memory that I was like confirming with my mom actually happened. Um, uh, but like I don't remember. I remember like growing up with this sort of like this had already happened. It's a whole thing. OJ is kind of a national joke, right? Mm-hmm. Like SNL. Um, and thinking, like, oh, it would be, like, if, like, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't really, I can't think of a comparable celebrity, but, yeah, I think I thought he was, like, so, no, not, no, like, I think I thought he was, like, not a Kanye-level celebrity, like, I it, think I it, thought he was, like. In my mind, it'd be, like, oh, if Eli Manning, like, 
killed his wife. It'd be like it'd be, it'd be, it'd be weird, more like, but it wouldn't be like I wouldn't. It wouldn't have that effect on people because the Eli Manning is famous and people probably like him, but he's just, a, be he's more just like a sports guy. Tom Brady. Yes. Um. Um. Like someone who everyone knows who they are, but <laughs> it's like the idea of a Tom Brady murder trial. Is <laughs> fascinating. But movie. I think what. This very this put into context who OJ was and why he was so like he I'm pretty sure he still holds the single season rushing yard record in the NFL like like he was he was Hall of Fame level like he he was that good yeah, like that, that run in that game that's the USC game where he does the, yeah. the run right he's like this amazing and again I don't watch football no but, but like as someone who grew up watching football like you can tell like you yeah. oh in the presentation you can absolutely tell it's, yeah. it's an amazing moment it's it's an amazing feat he was fantastic yeah he wasn't just a football player he was an amazing football he was player. a re- he was a really amazing football player and then he went on to sort of move on from that into this this realm of just being a guy everyone knew about and loved he was yeah and he was in some figure. movies like yeah you know and he wasn't bad he no. wasn't good but he wasn't bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um like Channing tatum you know He's not really good at acting, but you root for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna spend the whole the whole recording now trying to think of a celebrity that fits the same place. As, yeah, like because I because I, I feel OJ. like there's the the there are so many more celebrities now. Yeah. Well, celebrity. Also, the idea of celebrity is different now. It's so different now. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which we can probably the, the 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 Ryan Murphy show gets more into that aspect yeah. of it in some kind of honestly on the nose ways, but it, yeah, pretty, it's pretty effective. We'll talk about that next time we then. Will. <laughs> we certainly will. Um. But yeah, I think it's it's hard to. I think I didn't really understand like the level of fame that OJ had and how this was like how intense this was. Um, yeah, but you know, so it wasn't just this, this weird thing that happened. It was you know when you watch the movie, you I for the first time had the sense of understanding. Like, I get why people, why the world stopped to yeah. watch this. Already very bizarre on the surface of it, the idea of a guy driving down the highway in his big white truck mm-hmm. saying he's gonna kill himself. All the cops. I'll drive like a quarter mile behind. Yeah. That's already a bizarre spectacle. Yeah. When you put in the context of who this guy was and what he meant to people, like, I can't imagine. And then, like, in 94? Yeah. <laughs> like, really? What was on TV? That. That was what was on TV. Everything. Well, actually, that's like, that was, that's why you should watch June 17th, 1994. Because that, it's like all footage of like TV from that day. Um, and it's like Bob Costas being like, I'm here to talk about the NBA finals, but also OJ's driving down. <laughs> Is the sense you get from that movie that it did sort of filter into everything that was on TV at that yeah. point? Yeah. Yeah. Or at least um, everything that was, you know, being yeah. put out there. And especially live. like sports related content mm-hmm. because there was a lot of it that day. And also like, um, that's where you're, you know, this is like such a weird, like, intersection between sports and crime <laughs> <laughs> that you don't get a ton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which, like, if someone wants to make a sports crime podcast, I will listen to it. <laughs> Probably exists. Probably. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just a really, it's a really interesting, like, I think that's the real feat of the the film is that it puts into context, like, who OJ was for people that didn't necessarily experience it. Because it's hard to me to think how you would explain this to someone who had no basis of it right honestly it, it might be easier to explain to someone who's coming in totally cold yeah who oj simpson was than like someone like us who has like this weird vague idea that he was just a joke yeah because i feel like that's in my growing up life like, he was he was just a joke yeah 
I forgot that he played football. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it, it, it was. I I knew him as a guy who killed his wife, for, like I'm gonna say like maybe, two thirds of my life yeah. at this point. Yeah. Like, I didn't know he was a football player until pretty far in. So if if nothing else, and well, not anymore. I was gonna say if nothing else, this movie has accomplished that, but it accomplishes <laughs> so much more than that. Yeah. I think my favorite, and this is the thing I really want to dig into, if we if we if we can. Sure. Because my the thing I'm most I don't want to say it's my favorite part of the OJ story because that's. Pretty Weird. dark sentence, yeah. even, for, <laughs> even for this podcast. But the last part of the documentary, mm-hmm. the fifth part, mm-hmm. which focuses on OJ's life after the trial, after he is acquitted, is maybe the most like just darkly compelling documentary footage I've ever seen. It's so strange because how the yeah, it, it sort of you know poses this question of what would you do if this was your life? Yeah, like, what what do you do after you've been acquitted for a murder you definitely did? Yeah. And, and ev- you're famous. And everyone thinks you did it. Yeah. Like, he, And it talks about how he tried to go back to being OJ. Like, he tried to go back to the golf course, to the country clubs he used to be, yeah. like, the only black guy he could get into. Yeah. Now they, they wouldn't let him in, and people would yell at him on the street and sort of call him a murderer and then protest outside of his, you know, giant palatial home. And it really is such a... Oh, like, the stuff, the stuff with, um... Like, him asking his, like, agent to film him like he's a paparazzi. That's maybe the most... Oh, like, that. that is, like, the most visceral thing. When he, when he sells his house. So he's already on the way down. Yeah. He's already having to sell his house. He had his agent film him, like, taking down the flag and sort of pretending to get choked up and emotional about it and then folding it up and then sort of, like, waving him off, like, hey, come on, man, get out of here. Paparazzi, yeah. Mm. So he could sell it for, like, whatever money that would get him at that point in time. Yeah. And, like, you know, secreting away all of his possessions to, like, different storage units and, like... And, and I mean, the thing that... I knew about this before I saw the documentary, and so I was obviously very keyed in on it, but Juiced? Oh, my God. I didn't know about that. Yeah. They did a This American Life episode about it a few years ago. Oh. Juiced, for those who have not heard This American Life, and I guess for anyone who hasn't seen this documentary, although, if you haven't seen OJ Made in America, what are you doing? Go watch Turn it. Turn off the podcast. Go, go, you know, go watch that. Come on now. Come on now. We can, I can't, we can only do so much. We're just two people. It's true. But Juiced was a prank show. It was an O.J. Simpson prank show. That was it. That's like insane. And the prank was essentially just that O.J. Simpson was there. Like there was a guy selling oranges on the side of the road. You walk up to him to buy an orange. It's O.J. Simpson. That's it. You get you got juiced. There's that. They show some clips from it in the in the, the the theme song in the documentary where he's oh. dressed up like a like a cartoonish pimp. Yeah. In a, in, a, in a mansion, rapping about being O.J. Simpson. Uh, and what's amazing is that his entire like post-trial life is built around like trying to continue to capitalize on his fame, but just never discussing like that whole thing. Except that once when he wrote a book. <laughs> I mean, this is another thing I've been fascinated by for years. If I did it, yeah, amazing. And what an amazing thing to exist. I mean, morally, it's abhorrent. But yeah. on, on the on the on this on a conceptual level, the idea of O.J. Simpson and a ghostwriter, obviously, yeah, wrote a book that is for the first like 150 pages just a story of his life and his courtship and his relationship with Nicole. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he drops the 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 phrase. Now, keep in mind, all this is hypothetical. And then continues to tell a story of him murdering his wife and how he did it 
and like got away with it. And then we're meant to understand that it at some point goes back to being a story of what actually happened because it picks back up like you know into the trial. Because I remember hearing about this in like 2004, whenever it was going to come out. I was like, even then, I was like, my mind was was blown thinking about this thing that could happen. I I thought for a long time it hadn't been released, but it was released. Yeah. Because one of the things this movie gets into is that, you know, Ron Goldman, the father of um, sorry. Ron Goldman is the guy who was killed. Ron Goldman is the guy who was killed along with Nicole. Yeah. Uh, His dad. Sort of has has this like this lifelong crusade to try. Also, no relation. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> he makes his life's mission just to get OJ to you know, face some sort of punishment for this awful, awful thing that he did yeah. to his son. And what ends up happening is that the, as part of the, I think as part of the result of the civil case. Because mm-hmm. he, he is like. Yeah, he, he lost the civil case. Yeah. Like the civil court found him guilty of murder because yeah. of course they did. <laughs> He's guilty. Well, and I thought the stuff about how the civil case was in like. A predominantly white area right. and the criminal case was in a predominantly black area mm-hmm. and the whole thing <laughs> as, as part of the you know, he was ordered to pay so much money to the goldman family and he of course did everything he could to get out of it and just didn't pay it and then i believe what happened is they ended up he was they they released if i did it but they they, they as part of the the well, it's part, part of the settlement. Part of the agreement, uh, Ron, uh, sorry, Mr. Goldman, he did an intro for it. He did a preface, sort of like laying out, like, here's what this this book is. And the cover of the book has the words, I did it, in giant orange letters, and in tiny little text inside the word if. is uh, Sorry, inside the word I is the word if. So it's maybe the most hilariously misleading book cover of all time. And I assumed it hadn't been released for years, but it, it came out. You can buy it, like, you, know, you can go on Amazon for, like, five bucks. Oh, many a, many a night, Kelsey. You've many, thought about many it. Many a night I've, I've sat uh, weak and weary, <laughs> pondering Lost <laughs> Lenore, yeah. uh, scrolling through the used booksellers on Amazon.com. Yeah, and then the sort of the way the, the, the final part resolves, and there's this, this, this Coen Brothers-esque caper where he's trying to buy back merchandise of his that ended up with some into the hands of some really man the characters in this last section are right just the, the seediest dudes you can imagine like the collector people like imagine imagine i mean imagine a, a person so skeezy and gross that you kind of side with oj simpson a little bit against him like that's how <laughs> nasty these dudes are it really is and because he you know goes in this ill ill you know, ill-fated attempt to buy or steal back his own stuff he has a gun he ends up, uh, you know, he ends up, he ends up going down for a kidnapping charge. Yeah. And there's this, it's so fascinating because by this point you've gone through so much in the movie and you understand like so much of like what's led to this point that the, the scenes of the, the judge sentencing him for this, this crime mm-hmm. and like just clearly like so blatantly. Yeah. Like, you know, exacting what people think should have been the punishment. Yeah. I know, mean like. 15, 20 years earlier. She. Like, it's very much like a, this is the, what I'm able to do, and I'm going to do it because you deserve it. She's drinking, she's drinking that giant soda. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's so hard to parse because, obviously, you know, he's a bad dude. He, he killed people, and he yeah. probably should be punished for it. Um, so, you know, left a sidebar, he shouldn't go to jail, though, because jail should be abolished, because jail is inhumane. And there's, there's, it's just this ridiculous thing that we still have jails in this country. What should we do to people that kill people? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a criminal justice expert. Uh-huh. Like I agree with you, jail is terrible. It's a bad thing. It's slavery. But um, 
There has to be some sort of well, for people it? that kill people, at least. Yeah, they <laughs> well, should do something. Yeah, I mean, probably shouldn't let them, you know, keep killing people. But mm-hmm. the solution we have now is a uh, less than ideal. We also are putting people in jail that like don't kill people that yeah. like get in a bad situation. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, you know, even if unless the justice system was completely flawless and perfect, which it, uh, you know, is not. Is not. <laughs> um, maybe. You can make a case for jails existing in that situation. Yeah. But you know, anyone who's you know aware of the world even slightly knows that's not the case. People yeah. go to jail for crimes they didn't commit all the time, for crimes that they, you know, did commit but shouldn't be punishable by time in jail. Right. Uh, for crimes that shouldn't be crimes. Uh, it, that, it, and also people go to don't go to jail when they maybe should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, so it's hard to say. It's kind of like yeah. you know, it's kind of it's it's a little bit uh, lined up in my views on hell, which is I think like you know. Hell can't be, you know, can't be real under the system of a just and loving deity because there's no crime you could commit that could, you know, warrant you being sent to hell forever. Uh, jail, not as bad as hell, but it's a similar thing where there's, there's, you know, it's not quite the same situation because there are certainly things you could do that could, you know, require you to be removed from society in some way. But yeah. The system we have is not good. Jail is bad. Uh, but OJ, he got sent there. Yeah. And but the and but, but so and you seeing this playing out, it's hard to. You don't feel bad for him exactly, but it doesn't feel right. It never quite, it, you know, if, if, you, it's so, if you're hoping for some sort of catharsis from seeing this guy go down, it's not there. You don't get it. You're, you're not going to get it. The whole thing is, like, you feel so weird about it, right? Because, like, even with, like, the original criminal trial, like, Johnny Cochran et al., <laughs> OJ's defense team, like, the historical societal points that they're making are very good points and you don't want to like disagree with that but they all come off looking like assholes because they all know that oj did it <laughs> like and like they're they're trying to defend this idea that like oj is part of the black community and he like and he's like the symbol of whatever and he is he becomes that but like it's not like you really feel for Marsha Clark. <laughs> oh, so much. Wait till next week. Not, she, not next week. She, next episode. She did agree to be interviewed for this uh, this documentary. Chris Darden did not, <laughs> um, which God, can't blame him. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's, he's got to find second life as a black Republican. He's doing okay. Um, but yeah, you like end up really feeling for her because like this case should have been easy but there were all these things that she couldn't control <laughs> that that's actually another way this trial and this whole story really ties into our current political era mm-hmm. because what the, the defense uh, you know team did basically was yeah. to use this language of social justice and these real historical like oppressions and like real issues very real issues that should not be discounted yes, yes real issues <laughs> that were but they used to uh, they applied them in the defense of a totally, you know, selfish and awful act that's really not completely disconnected from these things, but so far apart from the point that's basically irrelevant. Yeah. I feel like this is a very insular online point of discussion, but if you spend any time on the internet listening to people try to argue their points, that is... That's the MO nowadays. Yeah. Like if no, I, I, I feel that. Like, you can't believe this because it's not... 
morally good. <laughs> yeah, people, people have taken that language, which again is about things that are very real. Yeah. And should be discussed, and they've applied it to stuff that is totally irrelevant. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, your shitty boyfriend, like being a, being a, being a dick, being you know inconsiderate, is not emotional labor. That's not the same thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a Tumblr mindset. It's, it's, you know, I, think Tumblr, I know exactly what you're saying. Tumblr is the ground zero for all I, I know I'm, exactly I'm what certain, you're saying. I was on Tumblr in like 2010, and that's like, oof. But that's filled out. That's filled out not just into online discourse, but I think real life discourse too, because there yeah. is that sense of like, oh, people are aware of these 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 ideas, these sort of problematic. Yeah, people are aware of you know society. There's problems in society that we need need to address. Mm-hmm. And if you like can co-op that language, and this is probably how it's always been, I'm just now aware of it. Yeah. But if you can co-op that language and use to push these ideas, you can sort of steer this topic of discussion away from the actual source of the problems, mm-hmm. which is by and large capitalism, <laughs> into whatever direction you want to be in, whether it's like, you know, your own personal political project or your your sort of your shitty personal life and you know interpersonal squabbles. And so, in a sense, Johnny Cochran's to blame. For all of this. Do you want me to cut that out or leave it in? <laughs> I mean, you can cut it out because it's not funny, but it's not, you know, it's not problematic. It's Johnny Cochran. Yeah. First of all, he's dead. True. Second of all, he was rich. Yeah. And third of all, I don't have a third point. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I think that, like, that for me was just such a weird feeling. It's because, like, you, like, these people all, his whole defense team comes off looking, like, really terrible because it doesn't feel like they're, like, shoehorning in a thing that is not relevant but it is relevant in that like there needed to be a symbol and the fact that it was oj simpson is really i mean it's kind of reductive to say this after you know a seven and a half hour brilliant piece of filmmaking but it's fucking nuts it's fucking nuts (laughs) what a the idea that this would happen is so that's why it's kind of hard to picture like who would the modern day equivalent of this be yeah because these circumstances are so downright bizarre, and the the, the fact that they happen to in, intertwine this way that that, that uh, Ezra Edelman so expertly like you know elucidates mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of ease in that sense. Damn, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting them with the ease today <laughs> is really it's kind of a once in a lifetime thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It is really really hard to like pinpoint the person who would be this like. Who, like, who would everybody, you know, watch? Like, like even now, we're attempting to impeach the president, and I'm not fucking watching. No. <laughs> no, well, ooh, a ghost is floating in. <laughs> well, we've crossed the line from entertainment now. Yeah. Like, you've got to remember, like, when the trials were happening, there was no Instagram. There was no, like, it was an entirely different world. So yeah. we're literally in, I think, something that in a lot of ways is very similar. Like, people should theoretically be watching these impeachment trials at the same time. The star isn't there. Like, Trump's not at the impeachment trials. Like, True. So, if if Trump ever goes, which, unlikely. let's all face it, very unlikely. Um, <laughs> unlikely anyone will actually get impeached or face punishment for any of their crimes. So, again, very similar. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if the star showed up, maybe people would watch the impeachment trials. Mm-hmm. But it's like... I'm not going to spend my lunch break watching fucking Devin Nunes give testimony. I don't even really know who that is. Well, also because I'm going to have a full existential breakdown if I watch any yeah. of it. And I think, like, OJ felt like spectacle. This doesn't feel like spectacle. It feels like well, humanity and, is And now we are in, like, the, like, 24-hour news cycle mm-hmm. in a way that, like, 
in the nineties we were there we were still there, just but but it was just yeah. beginning and like that was the one story. Now you have twenty four hour coverage on every story that there is. It, it, it's a, there's an argument to be made, and I think it's made in this movie lightly. It's kind of more laid out in the um, the Ryan Murphy show, but there's an argument to be made that this is sort of the beginning of all that because not just because the, you know the sort of the idea of a twenty four hour news network was really sort of catching on at this point, mm-hmm. but because this convinced people that oh people will spend all day watching a trial. Yeah, people will put their lives on hold to watch courtroom footage are you kidding me what <laughs> there's money to be made of just the news like all the time yeah and i think to sarah's point this is a situation where it was a, a it was a perfect storm because this is a thing you could have an opinion on that would not really affect your life yeah i mean in a certain sense if you were a you know black person living in america it was a part of your life yeah but the outcome of this trial was not going to determine the future of the country and the world the same the same way that you know the impeachment hearings right now theoretically could, theoretically they certainly won't <laughs> uh, for various reasons uh, it's so upsetting that we're like also <laughs> well, nothing's gonna happen nothing's gonna happen we're so jaded because we've lost 10 years of our lives in the past three <laughs> when we started doing this podcast i had a full head of hair <laughs> now look at me bald old full face of hair what, full face <laughs> full full is being generous uh, hey, the listeners can't see me. They don't know. They don't sure, know. Sure, they all know me in real life, but come on, baby. It's called, that's the illusion. That's kayfabe. <laughs> um, basically, I'm really glad that you said I should watch this because it's really, really good. Just piece of filmmaking in general. It's honestly too good. They <laughs> changed the rule for the Oscars because of this. <laughs> what, what did they change about it? Uh, Like the... Basically, the Academy made a new rule. I can't find where I read that, but they made a new rule that, like, basically there's some sort of miniseries or... Uh, okay, yeah. Um, this documentary became the last type to be nominated and win an Oscar after a new Academy rule barred any multi-part or limited series from being eligible for documentary categories. So they added the rule to stop this from happening again. Basically, I think. the most Oscar thing they could do. They, yep. they, they didn't mm-hmm. like it happens. They changed. They made a rule. They put a rule in place to not allow this to happen in the future. Basically, yeah. Wow. That's so fucked up. That's yeah. so Oscars. The Oscars are really fucked up, y'all. It's like when they tried to make a new category to prevent Black Panther from being nominated for an Oscar, which, what a weird thing to care about. I mean, especially, it seems really funny now in light of the discourse at, at the moment. <laughs> but they made up that like, best popular film Oscar category. Like, that's so every, dumb. Everyone was mad about it. No one liked it. No one liked it. Which, granted, is like, you know, if you're really going to, there's a whole other discussion to be had there about it's the first thing to unite America in years. <laughs> mm. Since the OJ like trial. <laughs> you feel good about that, Sarah? She feels good about no, that. I don't feel good about anything right now. <laughs> hey, we got to wrap this up because I got to eat. Got, we got we to gotta wrap it up, folks. We're living in Trump's America. We're living on borrowed time. Um, Final thoughts. This is such a good movie so good and such a good exploration of this topic it makes you wish that there could be a seven and a half hour movie for everything you wanted to hear about i, I mean i do wish there was a seven and a half hour documentary for all the things i'm interested in right <laughs> and, I yeah mean, yeah i mean there's i think very few like filmmakers that could do what they did with this movie i mean like i've watched you know miniseries documentaries and stuff but like they don't what he does with this is just so, so impressive. And it really, really makes you appreciate the lack of scale in other movies. 
Yeah. Because the idea, the idea after watching this, the idea that you could even begin to tell a story of O.J. Simpson without giving like like forty years of background information seems ridiculous. How? Why would you? How could like, you do that? It wouldn't make sense. No. But that's how it was told for years. Yeah. So I don't know. Basically, I also I just think that all millennials who like have that vague understanding about who O.J. Simpson is like need to watch this movie. I imagine that was a big chunk of their audience. Yeah. It's also like just a really concise summation of race relations in America in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, if you've made it this far and you still haven't seen the, the dang movie. Yeah. Just watch it. Just on every level, it's amazing. Just yeah. the, the, the amount of work that went into it, mm-hmm. the research, the people that get to interview. They're all like such so many fascinating people. The one... The one interview I was reading that they didn't have that I kind of like kept expecting to happen was of his first wife. Yeah. Yeah. She sort of is a kind of disappeared, which I get it. Yeah. She's I I know that Ezra Edmund was able to like he knows sort of roughly where she, you know, where she where she is. She's Mm -hmm. she's still alive. Yeah. But she, you know, to her, you know, perhaps her credit does not want to be interviewed. I get it. But he he said he he would probably rather interview her than interview OJ. Yeah. Because no one else has that perspective on O.J. Simpson. She was with him, like, when he first started coming up and then, yeah. you know, through the... And for a, a long time. Yeah, and then, you know. Yeah. Uh, bad, he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. He's a bad guy. Let's pitch him some reality shows. Go. Pitch time. Oh, my All God. Right. O.J. reality okay, shows. Okay, O.J., I know you, you tried to do the prank thing and it didn't work out. So we're going to stay away from that. So, O.J., here's the pitch time. O.J. Simpson. Netflix. Okay, O.J. Simpson hosts uh, Ultimate Beastmaster. Wait, no, that's not it. O.J. Simpson hosts the Great British Baking Show. O.J. Simpson hosts like a juice making competition. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Okay, now we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> the name is O.J. It's called uh, Pressed. Well, that would really work if he's a basketball player. Ooh, mm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, you know what be the best move, though? What? Is if they made a TV show of sports crimes. And he hosted it, and they just never addressed it. Never addressed it. <laughs> never even like touched on it. Yeah, like one-off sports crime documentary. I bet not now, but I bet O.J. Simpson, you know, in like 1999, probably would have done that. Yeah, we could have gotten him back then. Yeah. Is there like a Kardashian crossover we can get in there? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, the, the the thing I would, I think everyone would absolutely watch is just O.J. Simpson going about his life. Yeah. I would totally watch that. I mean, I, yeah. I feel kind of bad about it but i would absolutely 100 percent watch that it also like makes me laugh so hard that this is like where the kardashians came from yeah right it's, <laughs> really, it's weird but it's, like this is it because like that kardashian who is involved with this is like not a part of the kardashians no. as an empire <laughs> but this is like the origin point of that it's so strange another, another way in which the this is the genesis of so much of what's happening to us now it's insane um no, here it is. You ready? I'm ready. O.J. Simpson invites a documentary crew along with him to follow him on his journey to become the next president of the United States of America. Oof. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. What was that, Sarah? Why not? Why not, says Sarah Shepard. I feel like there is just like a hour-long special of O.J. and Kanye. The conversation. The conversation. <laughs> uh, uh, 
God. You'd watch that. I'd watch it. Yes. <laughs> I'd watch 20 hours of that conversation. Jesus. Imagine what those two would talk about. Anyway. Actually, probably wouldn't be that interesting. They'd probably talk about, like, you know, rich guy LA shit. <laughs> probably not that interesting. Uh. Special thanks, as always, to Danny Abound of the Weeping Willards for use of their song, Outside in the Rain, from their self-titled album, and you can get it on Bandcamp. And special thanks to Carly Sussman, who designed our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com. Quick plug, listen to The Misery Loves Company. Morgan Stewart, friend of the show, the once and future guest, has a podcast out now. It's a short-form fiction comedy sci-fi podcast called The Misery Loves Company. I'm on it. The Misery? So, the Misery Loves Company, because okay. they're... That's the name of their company. Is there the Misery Loves Company? Oh, you get it. You I get, get it, it now. Yeah, it's, like the, it's like the saying. Yeah, it's a thing. I'm on it. Sarah's on it. We're not the stars, but we are certainly on it. So if you want to hear my beautiful voice in a whole new and exciting way, and also have a few laughs, uh, I highly recommend it wherever podcasts are sold. Wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like our show, rate. Review, subscribe, like, follow, comment, tell a friend. Buy, all and all buy, those things. And buy the book. The book we're going to write. Yes. Someday. Someday. <laughs> anyway, as we always say, we're now we're going to put our psychic, our sort of our, our we're going to put our cerebro hats on and we're going to communicate all of our energy into, into changing one person's life. So if you hear this, this is for you. Mm, go, go to, to therapy. therapy. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up only I can mention me Only I can mention me Only I can mention me The, the, uh, the, the, the dying days of Obama's America <laughs> Hey, street, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that in, that was great <laughs>